doing today? Good? Yeah, that's good to hear. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about leadership, which I believe, especially for this class, you guys, the dreams that um, you all shared on the first day is very relevant, you know? Um, do I want to sit? I'll sit. Yeah. Because um, we have people who want to be pastors here. We have people who want to be missionaries, evangelists, you know. All of those are leadership. I probably oh, won't I, need one. I will get some. I will need one. I will get some. No, I I'll just get one. Okay, so something awesome about the Bible is that we have so many amazing examples about leadership in here. Um, Yeah, so today, for the first session, we're just going to be going through the Bible, looking at the lives of different leaders, seeing what leadership examples we can actually pull out from that. Um, Yeah, just to have... Because you guys are going to be leaders of the Church of Christ, either in this area or maybe, if you're a missionary, in other nations, which is actually the coolest thing in the world. Okay, so first off, we are just going to look at Moses. And flip with me to Exodus chapter 33. Um, Yes, 33. Okay, so... Can someone read Exodus 33, verses 9 through 11? 33, 9 to 11. And it came to us when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of the cloud descended. And stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Mm-hmm. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speak with his friend, and he would return to the tent. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Awesome. Okay, now can someone read Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10? Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen to Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Amen. Okay, so, yeah, today, um, basically, the format of what we're going to do for the first 45 minutes is we're going to read a passage, and then we're going to talk about what principles we see here. Okay, so for this first one about Moses, what similarities did you guys see between Exodus 33 and Deuteronomy 34? What similar phrases or ideas did you guys notice? Speaking, Lord, the Lord spoke with Moses, mm-hmm. and then, like, this, 
to notice that God spoke to Moses face to face. And so on this topic of leadership, yeah, what do you guys think about that? What do you think we as leaders can pull out from that? Anyone feel free to just shout it out. Any ideas? Moses was looked upon as the greatest leader Israel had ever, ever had. Um, Moses, yeah, Moses and David, the top two. And what is, we'll look at David um, next, we'll look at him after. But the beauty of, I believe, why Moses was such a great leader is because he actually knew the Lord so intimately. In the Old Testament, which is crazy, God spoke to Moses face to face. He knew him intimately. And um, that was a very unique situation for the Old Testament, but today for us, through Jesus, maybe not physically face to face, but we actually can come before God and know him just as intimately as Moses knew him in the Old Testament. And so for us as leaders to be effective in our ministry, the number one thing is intimacy with the Lord, is knowing him, you know, is speaking to him face to face as one speaks to a friend, you know, and I really feel like that is one of the most important things that we actually see through the example of Moses' leadership. Um, Yes, and so... We will... Okay. From what you guys um, have studied, because you guys have studied the Torah, right? Yeah, okay. Um, Just for off the top of your head, what do you guys think, specifically leadership qualities in Moses, um, that you see are important, that you desire to have? from what you guys know about the life of Moses. You, you both can speak. Maybe just someone go first. I like his academy. The creative part, yeah. Academy, academy. I mean, Egypt at the time, he had the greatest education of anywhere in the world. Um, Yeah. Um, What's super interesting about that, that you bring it up, um, you know, 40 years he grew up, he was trained in Pharaoh's household. So he had academic training. And then he had the 40 years in the wilderness where it was like spiritual training, how not just to have an intellectual mind, but also how to have the heart of a shepherd in leading people. And I think both of those things are very important. We also see the same thing 
Um, similar thing with David, you know. He also had the heart of a shepherd for his people. Yeah. It's not just about what we know. It's about the heart that we have for the people that God has put under our care and, yes, under our guidance. I like that. That's really good, Rowan. Thank you. I heard someone else begin to say something. Who is that second person? It was Amos? Not Amos? Okay. That's all right. Okay, for um, those of you who just came in, we are talking about leadership today, and we are going through the Bible, looking at different leadership qualities and seeing what we can pull out from that, what we can notice. Um, Yeah. Okay. So... Okay, so I will read out Numbers chapter 9, verse 8. And so a little bit of context behind this is some people come to Moses and they're asking him a question and Moses, yes, made decisions and made judgment calls. And so um, this one verse from Numbers chapter 9, verse 8 stuck out to me specifically yesterday. It was the first time that I noticed this. Moses spoke to them. Wait, so that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Moses spoke to them, Wait, so that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And so I believe that speaks, that verse speaks volumes to the style of Moses' leadership. And so from that verse, what do you, yeah, what do you guys think about it? What do you guys notice from Numbers 9, 8? First off, we see a command. Moses says, wait. And it is, uh, that command is connected to the rest of the sentence through, uh, yes, a connective, a purpose. What does it say in some of your guys' translations? What does Moses say there? Does he say, wait, so that, and then wait, he goes on? I do like final what the words among concerning Okay, great. I think that still, that still shows the point. So, um, I believe what, well, what we see here is that Moses sought the Lord when he was making decisions. Um, yes, he didn't just rashly go with his gut, but he actually, you know, sought the Lord. God, what do you think about this? And, um, yeah, I, for, for leaders, we cannot just always go with our instincts, you know, God gave us wisdom and discernment, but at the end of the day, we always need to seek the Lord on especially important decisions, like um, this passage, the the paragraph is talking about, um, yes, very important things, specifically how certain people could observe the Passover if they had been unclean, which was a very, very important 
thing for them to do. Um, yeah, so Moses, he waited on the Lord until he heard an answer. He had intimacy with God and he spoke to him face to face. He not only was trained and equipped academically, you know, by the books, but he also was trained, his heart was trained and prepared um, for him to truly shepherd the people of Israel and help lead them out into Egypt. Okay, so does anyone have anything else that they would like to share, just their thoughts on Moses and his role in teaching us leadership? centuries of history right now. Okay, so my favorite thing about, one of my favorite things about David is just going through the Psalms and truly seeing his heart. You can tell that he, like Moses, had developed such an intimacy with God and, you know, um, that intimacy was developed when he was alone in the hills, shepherding his uh, father's sheep when he was left by his family. Um, That intimacy came when there were enemies all around him trying to attack him, trying to kill him. Um, Yes, I believe that David is, well, David is an incredible example of how our trust in God can be built even in the worst circumstances, in the worst situations. Um, Yeah. And so... Another important thing about David is, yeah, well, let's look at Psalm 27, verses 1 to 5. Psalm 27, verses 1 to 5. Yeah. Does anyone want to read... Psalm 27, verses 1 to 5. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Psalm 27, verse 1 to 5. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though and hold truth, he came against me. My heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Right. For in the time of the trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall sit. He shall sit me upon a rock. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, what do you guys see here? What do you guys see here? Just sort of about David's heart, David's mentality towards God, and how do you guys think that would have helped him? Um, yes, in hard times when he was. 
king over Israel. David couldn't get first. Hmm? David couldn't get first in the first place. He couldn't get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think that is not just for, just for everybody. We always need to put God first, and then um, yeah. when we have God in His, when we see God in His rightful place, and He actually is um, enthroned in our hearts, then we have perspective on everything else in life. And so I think verse three shows that. In my translation, it says, "Though a contrast, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear." Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. And so, yes, here we see David had God in the right place on the throne of his heart. He had him enthroned above every fear, every um, other idol, every, yes, just everything in his life. And it was through having God in that place that David was able to have, you know, that eternal perspective that, yes, There's an army all around me. There is war going around, but I will not fear and I will have confidence. Verse 5, reason for he will hide me in his shelter. He knew God's character. He knew God's nature. And so when he did have to make tough decisions, um, when he um, was going through tough circumstances, he knew God's character and that was what was able to sustain him through it. Uh, this verse 4, it says that I was seeking in this temple, like the, the last part. So, mm-hmm. in David's time, the temple was not yet there, right? So, what temple is it talking about? I am not entirely sure, honestly. I'm not going to pretend that I know. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. David knew that there would be a temple built. He knew that there would be a temple built. So, maybe this is him... Yeah, maybe this is him just, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. I'm sorry, I can't really give you a good answer. He knew there would be a temple being built, so it's not like it's this crazy thing. How would he have known? Um, yeah, that's all I got. Sorry. Yes. There was, I mean, actually, I'm not entirely sure about this, but there was, you know, still the Ark of the Covenant. I'm sure there was a tabernacle somewhere. So maybe he was talking about that and picturing the future temple, but that's about as good as an answer as I can give you. Um, yeah. Does anyone have an answer for that question? Okay, that's fine. All right, so I believe everyone in here knows the story about David and Bathsheba, right? Super famous. Can someone give a short recap, real quick, of the events that went down? Someone just shout it out. Super quick summary. Well, 
prayer, when, when I was growing in the prayer, you know, when he came to the age, he saw the children taking bath. And when he saw her, the, uh, like, maybe, you know, David called up and then, you know, that caught his eyes. So that made him the last to come away. And that, that is all the follow of David. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, so after David, yes, he was not where he was supposed to be. At this point of year, you know, 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. So in the first place, David was not where he was supposed to be. And then, yes, he lusts and he keeps sinning. He lusts, he commits adultery, he lies, he murders, you know? It's very, very serious. And so, how can we actually say that King David was a good example of leadership? How it was someone who did those sort of crazy, wild sins. How can we look at him and be like, no, actually, we can learn many things about leadership in his life? Whenever he but, uh, went away from the Lord, he also came back, so that is one thing. Yeah. He, he always returns back to God. Yep, amen. That, you hit the nail on the top of the head with that one. Um, yeah, and so in the books, uh, in the book of First and Second Samuel, what we see is um, a contrast between Saul and David. So when, when Saul sinned, he would not repent. He would not turn back to God. He would have worldly grief. He was sad when, you know, God told him, hey, yo, you aren't going to be king anymore, you know. But he never actually humbled his heart and repented. And then we see David who, um, yes, does all of these things. But like Kevi said, the difference was that he humbled himself. Bless you. <laughs> he humbled himself. He repented from his sin. Um, and he turned back to God. And so it's after this situation with Bathsheba that David writes one of the most beautiful psalms, in my opinion. Psalm, does anyone know which one it is? Yep. So let's turn to Psalm 51. It's a long one. I'm not really sure how much we're going to read. Um... <laughs> Okay, can someone read one, one through five? One through five. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Look, of my translation, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified in your judge. Surely I was simple and very simple from, from the time my mother conceived me. Amen. Okay. Can someone read 10 through 12? Great be the King of God, and renew. As if possible, we need Do not cast me from your presence, 
protect your Holy Spirit from you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain you. Can someone read 15 through 17? Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and con- 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 contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so this is so beautiful because first we see David acknowledges his sin. He knows what he did was, yes, sin against God. And he acknowledges it. You know, he doesn't do this thing and then move past it and overlook it and just ignore all the hurt and the pain that he caused to people and the grief that he caused in God's heart. Because God is grieved when his people sin. So first he acknowledges it. And then secondly, he, um, yes, he asks God to change him. He's like, God... This paraphrase, but we see the heart of it. You know, create in me a clean heart. David knows that he needs to change, and he knows that through God and God working in him, that's the only way that he will change. That's the only way that he will grow. And then we see that even though David, yes, is repenting from his sin and he would feel the guilt. He still praises God because he, yes, he understands that God is not just looking for, as he says in 16 16 and 17, um, burnt offerings and sacrifices, physical burnt offerings and sacrifices. But David knows that God is actually looking um, for him to sacrifice, in air quotes, sacrifice his heart to God, give it to him fully and totally. Um, Yes, and so God is not looking for perfect leaders because they just don't exist, and that's okay. But what God is looking for is leaders who trust in God in all circumstances, and he's looking for leaders who, although they are not perfect, humble themselves when they make mistakes, repent, and have a heart that, as you know, Kevi said, always desires to go back to God, to turn back to God. Um, yes, he's not looking for perfection. Okay, so we are going to look at... Yeah, I am just going to mention another one, and then we will move on to Jesus, the greatest leadership example in the world world in all history. Okay, so what do you guys know about King Josiah? King Josiah. Does anyone know anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what did he restore it from? He restored it. What exactly do you mean by that? Okay. Uh, he that he he uh, brings them all their idol pagans worship all those he yeah he destroyed everything and he restores and he yeah restores the land 
No, that's perfect. Yeah. I just wanted to give them a little more detail because that's, but that's exactly it. Okay, so from what we know about King Josiah, what leadership examples can we pull out from his life? Um, uh, one thing that I like about him was like uh, he listened to the elders. He was very young, but still he saw like the advice of the elders. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's good. We should seek to surround ourselves with other godly men and women to give us advice because we don't always know everything. We haven't walked through every situation. He was eight when he became king. He had never done that before. Um, Yeah. And so one of my favorite things that I noticed in my study of um, the book of Kings is that, you know, the book of the law had been lost. And then in Josiah's reign, it was found. And when Josiah found the word of the Lord, that was what caused him to purge Judah and Israel of their idols. And so it goes back to what um, Jesus would, you know, centuries later go on to say, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Actually, I think that might have been James, so I'm not entirely sure on that. I'm really bad at references. But you guys know the verse that I'm talking about, right? Josiah didn't just hear the word of God, but he let, um, yes, he let his scriptures actually cause him to take action in something that he saw was so wrong. Yeah. Um, and now King Josiah is one of my favorites. I love him. Okay. So let's move on to Jesus because Jesus is what this is all about anyway. Okay. So we all know the story of Jesus. Praise God. Um, yeah. Just from the top of your heads, what do you guys think? Leadership principles that we can find through the life of Jesus. Talking to that again? He doesn't treat, I mean, he treats everyone equal, regardless of their background. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen. Yeah, it's very true. Quality, very, 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 very important. Anyone else? In humble yeah. yeah, that's from Colossians. No, that was from Philippians, right? That's so awesome. I was going to bring up that verse, but you guys beat me to it. Yeah, exactly. Fully God, he was humble, and he was obedient. Um, yes, humble and obedient leaders is what God is looking for. Okay, um, yeah, so you guys know the story about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, yes? Yeah, okay. Can we, can someone read John chapter 13, verse 3 to 5? John 13, 3 to 5. John 13, verse 1 to 3. 3 to 5, yeah, yeah. Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hand, and that he, he, he was come from God and went to God. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and guarded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wet them with a the towel where he was guarded. Awesome. Thank you. 
Can someone read the same chapter 12 through 15? When he finished watching the tweet, he put on clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done to you? He asked them, You call me, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have watched your feet, you also should watch one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Okay. Pretty straightforward, yeah? Let's talk about it. What do you guys think that we can pull out and apply in our own lives of Jesus' leadership example? Yes, amen. Servant-hearted leadership, you know? Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself and washed the feet of his creation. You know, that's actually, how much more humble can it get? It can't. It doesn't. Um, Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Any other thoughts on these passages? Something I like about verses 3, yeah, specifically verse 3, is before John says that Jesus um, got up and put himself into a servant position, he says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. That's what John starts off this passage on Jesus' servant leadership with. And so um, something important that we see from that is it's important to actually, you know, know our identity and know who we are. Because if we, um, yes, if we have insecurity about who we are and we're just like, then it's hard to humble ourselves. But if we are fully confident in who we are and who, you know, our identity in Jesus Christ, then, then it's easier and we're more able to humble ourselves and become servant leaders because our pride is removed out of the way we're not compensating for any insecurity issues that we have so um, especially for you know leaders people who are going to be discipling others it's important to know identity and who we are who God says we are yeah very very important okay um yes I don't know the exact verse reference, but it was one of the times when, um, yes, Jesus, there was a crowd around Jesus, and he wanted to feed them, and it says that he had compassion on the crowds. I believe it's in Matthew, and I'm so sorry, I should have found it first. Um, But I cannot... That's a good Yeah, so compassion, humility, obedience, intimacy with God, waiting on the Lord, hearing what God's word says, and actually doing it, 
repenting when we have done wrong. Having a heart that always seeks to pursue God in any and all circumstances. These are the characteristics of a leader. These are the things that, yes, God's word speaks to us about who we are and what we should be. As the identity of each and every single person in this room is leadership in some form, in some capacity. It's not going to look the same for all of us, you know. Some are going to be pastors, some missionaries, some evangelists, some are going to work with youth. And that's all different. But these principles are the same for every single one of us. You know, it's the same for every single one of us. Um, Yes, and so, yeah, would anyone like to share anything, share any extra um, thoughts on leadership or any other characters? We, I breezed through a bunch um, that I had, yeah, but thoughts, anyone? About leadership, um, many, many are good leaders, but they fail to understand or understand their, uh, their, their followers, mm. and also they, they don't listen much, but Jesus, he's a good listener, as well as he knows who he's dealing with, so there's something I like about his leadership. Yeah. Amen, yeah. Jesus was able to relate, you know, to his disciples, to his followers, to us today, because he became like us. Yeah. He was relatable, and he could relate to us in our problems. It, it, like in Hebrews, when it says we have a high priest who understands the things that we're going through, you know? That's really cool. I like that. Anyone else? <laughs> Churches, pastors who have no idea if this person is their member or not, you know? Yeah, that's so true, so true. Yeah. Ezekiel 34 is a very, very beautiful passage. Um, God is critiquing the leaders of Israel at the time, the shepherds of Israel, and um, yes, actually, I'm just going to flip to it really quick. Ezekiel 34. Um, <clears throat> Yes, and so after God critiques the shepherds in Israel, he goes on, starting in verse 11, um, just to talk about the way that God will shepherd his sheep and the way that his servant David will shepherd his sheep. And yes, this is, you know, um, messianic talking about Jesus, but we can pull so much out of this today, also with what you said, you know. Um, pastors not knowing their flock. We need to have the heart of Ezekiel 34 verses, you know, 11 through 15 for the people that we're put in charge over, you know? 
Because that's the heart that Jesus had for us, that's the heart that God had for us, and that's the heart that we should have for others. I really like that you pointed that out. Where I'm from, that's, yeah, that's a big problem. So many mega churches, so many, yes, people who just get lost in the cracks, you know, because they're not being discipled, they're not being sought out, they're not being um, pursued by leaders or leadership. 